Welcome to the Park Road Podcast for September 25th, 2016. Today's podcast is a sermon given by Amy Jacks Dean, co-pastor with Russ Dean at Park Road Baptist Church. Her sermon today is entitled, Showing Up and Standing Beside. thing someone said to me yesterday before we left uptown was our friend Willie Ratchford, a black leader in town, and he said, I often, I said to him, I got to go tomorrow and preach to predominantly white people in affluent Charlotte. And he said, well, sometimes I just tell people about the magic mirror. And he said, I tell people to wake up in the morning and step in their bathroom and look in the mirror and pretend that they see a black person, that they see themselves with black skin, and then just try to imagine how the rest of the day is going to go. I hope you can take this parable from Luke's gospel home with you and read it as a person with black skin, not just as a person with white skin. Today's sermon is different for me. I feel like I get all the bad weeks. I got the Sunday after 9-11. I recently got the Sunday after um, the the killings that we saw that caused the outrage in Dallas, that caused the police violence there. Um, And now I get this week. And so if you are visiting with us, you may not know, generally Russ and I both preach from a manuscript. So if it's not written, I probably don't say it. There's so much written, but it's not in real sentence form. So I'm just going to start and we'll just see where we go, okay? I, this first part's scripted, though. Okay. I feel as though I have learned more in one week than I have learned in my whole life put together. And that's because I showed up and I stood beside. And I listened. I make my living with words. We write and we talk all the time. I mean, we write and we talk a lot, so much so that most of you wish we would not write so much or talk so much. (laughs) I'll take some of it. I'll take some of it. Whether we're on the phone or in an email or on social media, it's with words. Or whether we're in a pulpit or teaching, it's words. Or performing ceremonies or simply saying the blessing because clearly preachers must like to eat more than just about everyone else. Words. It's what I do for a living when I think about it. One of our sons has said that he has no desire to be a pastor because it would mean writing a major paper every week, and that ain't his thing. (laughs) There are lots of facets to this job, but words comprise the large portion of what we do. Trying to craft the message of the gospel for a current time and place to give meaning and wholeness to the lives we live. 
and not just in sermons, but in every encounter that we have. Whether we speak a good word of a eulogy, as I will do in a couple of hours for Eileen Wilson, or whether we ask folks to repeat after me to have and to hold for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health. Words, words are what we do for a living. And this week, I have had no words. So we decided to show up and stand beside, and that's what we've done. I've not worn the right shoes, but it only took one day to correct that. Who knew that when you stand behind the Reverend Barber, the head of the NAACP for a press conference, that you would stand there for more than an hour getting a history lesson and a lecture and an impassioned speech, and he was just the first one to speak. I leaned down to the two black minister women in front of me, and I said, I did not wear the right shoes for this. And they said, me neither. But, you know, they didn't teach a class in seminary on pastoral protest. It, just some things you learn on the fly. And I wore flat shoes for the rest of the week. Here's what I have to tell you from my experience and our experience this week. If it wasn't so awful, it would be wonderful. It's like a big reunion. Among the thousands, seeing many of the same folks every night, the feeling in the streets is more like a reunion. I have never been to a concert, a ball game, or even a festival in the park where I have felt more connected than I have in the streets of Charlotte this week. If it wasn't so awful, it would be beautiful. Walking that circle from the Omni Hotel to the government center, to the jail, to the police station, there's nothing like standing in front of the jail, those four buildings, and people chanting and singing and yelling, and the lights are going on and off in the jail cells, and the shutters are flicking. And you know that so many of the people standing in the streets have people in there, and some of them ought to be there, and some of them ought not be there for the crimes they have committed. If you had committed the same crime, you would not be there. So we just walk in this massive circle, meeting people and hugging and singing. And when I would get a little afraid because it felt so peaceful, but I just realized one thing can go wrong and it will be pandemonium here. And I really had to work to keep that kind of fear at bay. And so when I would start to feel it come on, when I would see the police start to get a little closer in on us, I would hold Russ's hand a little tighter. And as safer as that made me feel, and as much of a protector as he is, he is a mighty white man, isn't he? 
as safe as I would feel, what I would do was I would be scan the crowd for some of the black clergy that are my friends because I felt safer with my black friends. Now, isn't that an irony? My white, privileged South Park person going there to stand in solidarity and all I'm looking for are some black friends so I can feel safe? I always wondered what I would have done if I had been a pastor in the 60s. It seems so clear and easy now that whites and blacks should be able to drink from the same water fountain. But would I have marched about it then? I've always been afraid that I would not have. And I remember the search committee 16 years ago telling us about the history of this church, that it was the first church in Charlotte to have an interracial daycare, and that this church marched with Martin Luther King. And I remember thinking, would I have had the courage to do that? Well, this week gave me the chance to find out. I've always been so afraid that I would retire and look back on a time in my ministry and think, I didn't show up. And I didn't stand beside. And I can't even fathom how many times I have failed to show up and stand beside. But at least this week I did it. And this week gives me the courage to do it again. The clergy. We've heard that the media has continued to say, where's the clergy? Well, because the media is so fascinated with the very few people that knocked out windows... They did not see the hundreds of us. Hundreds of us. The, a, one of the major, he's a major in the police force, and he's been on TV a lot, and he belongs to St. Luke's Lutheran, and Pastor Sarah Ilderton told us on Friday night that he had called her and said, tell the clergy what they are doing is making a real difference. We skipped Parents Weekend at PC because I was afraid to leave town. I know he's almost 18 and he has a thousand friends and a whole church, but I just couldn't bring myself to leave and the fear of not being able to get back in, that's because when I come home, I watch CNN. When I'm on the streets, I'm not scared. When I watch TV, I'm scared. Quit watching TV and get in the streets. <laughs> oh, finally, I got one, Russ. <laughs> if you're visiting, Russ preached a sermon and everybody applauded. And I said, well, they've never done that with me. <laughs> we wore stoles or collars or whatever gear your clergy wears and people would stop us and say what does this mean and we'd say we're pastors we're clergy we're here to stand in solidarity with you and they would thank us profusely and they would tell us to pray for them the singing you you just can never tell when a heartfelt rendition of we shall overcome is going to bust out and we did it fairly well but there is only one way to sing We Shall Overcome, and it is full bore. 
belly singing as loud as you can, like you mean that thing. And the new friends, we, we've swapped business cards <laughs> with, that, with people we're meeting in town. It's, it's, if it wasn't so awful, it would be wonderful. And relationships of people that have been really good acquaintances are now like we love each other and know each other on these streets. And there's lots of laughter and tears. I don't want to paint this too pretty. It's awful. Their voice, the protest voice is not our voice. Their story is not our story. Their strident tone is not our tone by our, I'm talking about Russ and me. Leaders on the streets and in press conferences have demanded things. And there I stand on CNN right behind them. We demand that the tapes be released. Russ and I have laughed and said that if we were in charge, it would go something like this. We really think it would be a good idea (laughs) if you would consider releasing the tapes, it would ease the tension a little bit. You can see why we're not protest leaders. And while we're the pastors of a predominantly white church in South Charlotte. The chants go like this. Hands up. Don't shoot. Hands up. Don't shoot. Hands up. Don't shoot. You march by the jail and the police station doing that, looking like me. It's surreal. My mind, I can't even take in all that I'm thinking and feeling. Forward together, not one step back. Forward together, not one step back. Forward together, not one step back. Release the tapes. Release the tapes. It's, that's what it's like. And that is not my voice. Because it's not my story. But I can hear their truth because it is their lived experiences. And I can show up and stand beside. I have not agreed with every single word that I have stood beside. But not agreeing with every single word does not mean that I can't show up. The best moment. We may go a little over. Y'all are just going to have to be all right with that. Um, the best moment for me, because you just get herded in this clergy group of things. And so we show up, and there's a press conference. We get herded up to the steps outside Little Rock AME Zion. And we're standing there, and I leaned over to Russ and said, who, what group is this? What, who, what, who, what are they about to say? And he said, I don't know. And so we stand there, and the cameras are all on, and the man comes up and says, I am so sorry that the Reverend Al Sharpton could not be with us today. And I thought, oh, my Lord, my family back home is going to see me standing behind Al Sharpton. And let me tell you, my family and I are not on the same page about any of this stuff. 
And it's surreal. So Al Sharpton was not there. But I, it's uncomfortable, some of the things that are being said, and I'm standing behind them. But we also showed up and stood beside those who hold authority. We never passed a police officer or a National Guard that we did not thank them for being there. And black people are thanking them and hugging them all over the place too. There have only been a few people that have allowed their anger to spill over into rage and become violent and destructive. And every single person, no matter their tone, has named that as despicable, deplorable, and completely unacceptable and inexcusable. Violence will not be the answer to the horrificness of our week. No one wants violence, but anger needs a place to rest. And for this week, and I'm going to tell you, I think for the days to come, anger is going to rest in the streets of Charlotte. The calm is no more. And I am learning to see that as a good thing. And so the text for today. Did you catch the end? Could you please just send Lazarus back from the dead to tell my brothers the truth? Please, don't let my brothers live in torment. Somebody warned them about how we're supposed to live and act and be in the world. Send Lazarus back to tell them. And and he says... If they didn't listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. We don't need Lazarus or anybody else coming back from the dead to tell us the truth about our calling to the down and out, to the stepped on and stepped over, to the poor and the people that are treated less than simply because of the color of their skin. We don't need Lazarus to come back from the dead to tell us that the color of one's skin should not make them a target for violence. We don't need somebody to come back from the dead to tell us these things. This didn't start on Tuesday. This has been forever in the making. The calm ended on Tuesday in Charlotte. Peace, true shalom, wholeness has not been there for all of us in forever. The rich man wanted Lazarus to go warn his brothers. Why in the world would we need a warning from the great beyond when the truth is pouring out in the streets? Truth from blacks. And truth from whites and browns. Everybody just wants justice for all and life. Whole good life for all. Almost every police officer that I thanked replied with, Thank you for being here. As if they really believed that their work was not in vain to create a safe 
place in which the anger can rest. Now, this isn't peaceful Sunday afternoon nap rest. If it wasn't so awful, it would be beautiful. I encourage you to find some way to show up and stand beside. You may not can go to the streets. That's okay. I encouraged people on Wednesday night to do what Russ and I had done Wednesday, which was I reached out, email, phone call, text, and sent messages to uh, black friends. And I said, I love you. I'm with you. Everyone poured back generous responses. Four people have contacted me since Wednesday night to say they had done the same thing and were overwhelmed by the response. So if you can't take to the streets, reach out to a black person and say, I love you. I'm with you. And if you don't have any black friends, get some. I'll share mine. They're awesome. (laughs) Show up. Stand beside in whatever way you can. May it be so. Amen. We invite you to learn more about Park Road at parkroadbaptist.org. Park Road is a progressive faith community located in Charlotte, North Carolina, encouraging independent thought, community service, social justice, and interfaith understanding. Today's podcast was produced with production help from Hugh Ashcraft, Brian Smith, Bruce White, and Rich Dower. Our theme music was composed by Brandon Michael Williams. Thanks for listening today. Grace and peace to you. Thank you.